This is Michael Mazzola, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and you might have seen in the last day or so that a new group has formed in Hollywood of all places, bringing together the likes of filmmakers, producers, actors, ufologists, researchers and more. It's called the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance and I am delighted to welcome with me from the group, uh, filmmaker, Emmy nominated award nominee, I have Serena DC. Serena, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me, Andy. I'm a huge fan, so I'm excited to be part of it. <laughs> have you on, and this all came out of nowhere, Serena, in the last day or so, and yes. people are talking about it online, so a lot of ground to cover. But first, before we talk about the the HDA, as I'm going to shorten it to, otherwise the podcast might go long saying it every single time, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself first, if you don't mind. Sure. So I'm an investigative filmmaker and um, I've been obsessed with the stars since I was just a little girl. And so seven years ago, I started coming over to Hollywood and making films. My first um, movie was called Contact the CE5 Experience. So I was lucky enough enough to um, meet Dr. Stephen Greer, go to his house, become his friend and be mentored by him. And he basically taught me how to do CE5. And and since then, um, I have seen so many UFOs. I've had what I believe to be telepathic contact with beings from another planet. It's been really life-changing, you know. Um, And so just had a new movie come out called We Are Not Alone, um, which I guess delves deeper into into that world. And we have some really big names on there like uh, Jacques Vallée, who's just incredible, Paula Harris, uh, Danny Sheehan. but it's just so exciting to uh, be in this UFO world right now because I believe that we will be the generation that gets to shake hands with a being from another planet. And that's pretty freaking cool, Andy. <laughs> it, it would be. And you've mentioned a few big names. We'll talk about We Are Not Alone at the end of the podcast because it's a nice way to, I think, to, to bring it home. Um, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, you mentioned some big names that are involved in your own documentary. Some right. of those names are also involved in the group. So uh, let me read this first. This is the goal from the website of the group and the description in the podcast has all these links too. The goal of the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is to provide a more unified voice in the media leading up to and following the impending revelation of the presence of extraterrestrial life disclosure through storytelling in feature films, documentaries and TV programming. We are a media-centric resource, teaming those actively working within the research side of UAP stroke ET with those actively working as storytellers. That's quite a a mission statement, Sina. Let me ask first, uh, because you're the representative for the the group on the pod, how did all this come about? Well, it's interesting. So uh, one of the founders is a man called Stephen Bassett. And Stephen Bassett, if, if, for those that don't know, was the first ever UFO lobbyist in Congress. So uh, he's been responsible for pushing forward um, disclosure from the from our government, which, as we know, has, has become more and more frequent now. Um, and he believes from all of the intel that he has from Congress, from people in the army, the military, um, that disclosure is imminent and not coming in five years' time but coming now, like literally any day now, he believes that the government will finally say we have beings from another planet in our 
possession and we have craft and um yeah we're not alone (laughs) and so what what we as okay let me backtrack for a minute I interviewed Danny Sheehan. Danny Sheehan's one of the founders and uh, the board members. When I interviewed him, I had only just first started out in this UFO world. Like I was obsessed with UFOs but making film, I mean. And Mm. I sat down with him and I said to him, I'm like, one of my favourite films is Independence Day, Danny. What do you think of that film? And he he looks me dead in the eye and he's like, I hate it. I hate it. I'm like, why? It's a great movie. It's one of my favourites. Watched it 50 times. He's like, because it, basically he said that it's racist and it's terrible for intergalactic politics because what we're doing is we're saying that aliens, extraterrestrials, only want one thing and that's to steal our natural resources and to kill us in the process of doing that. So he, he said that if these beings are coming here and visiting us, if they're going to come and land um, on our planet, what we're doing is setting them up for failure. What we're doing is telling everyone to be afraid of them when it appears from all of the discussions I've had with people that have had interactions with beings, we have nothing to fear. And so Hollywood, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is all about aligning experiences, people that have had abduction experiences, people that have had sightings, um, with filmmakers so that they can say this is what really happened, this is what these extraterrestrials are really like, these are the messages we're getting from the uh, galactic brothers and sisters. Make movies about that. Influence the world in the correct way instead of creating a false narrative that's going to end up with um, an extraterrestrial turning up in your bedroom and you grabbing the gun from under your bed and shooting it instead of extending a hand and saying, welcome. As someone who works in Hollywood and works in film, does that translate and sell to a massive audience? I love Independence Day. It's my my top alien movie. I've said that many times on the podcast. <laughs> I, I love Signs. Um, That's great my favourite movie. movie of all time. I love that movie. Again, oh similar similar theme though. Everything kind of goes wrong. Thinking of the abyss, you know, a message behind that. There's always a disaster stroke, apocalyptic theme to all these films. And that seems to translate to box office. That other message that, I don't want to say love and light, it's not one of my favourite phrases in this whole subject, but that kind of nicer side of things, that more politically savvy side of things and what that relationship with another species may look like do you think that translates to hollywood and not just to hollywood independent film but that bigger budget that's going to reach a mass audience well i think it just has to i mean like and and i think what danny sheen and i think what a lot of us that are part of this alliance are saying is that it's not okay it's not okay to keep perpetuating the lie that these beings are coming here to steal our natural resources and kill us you know that's not to say that we can't have drama you know as an example using my filmmaker brain uh a family of extraterrestrials could crash land in the backyard and some of them are friendly but then there's one of them that isn't and he's super evil and something terrible could happen with him, you know. He could be trying to take over the earth but then the other extraterrestrials can stop him or save him. So um, it's not that we can't have drama. Hollywood's all about drama, but does it always have to end with us exterminating the aliens and jumping around so happy that they're dead and they're gone? I don't think so. That's that's fair. I understand that. 
Um, you mentioned some of the founders. So co-founded by Stephen Bassett. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. Well yeah. known in the UFO community. You mentioned a lobbyist, an activist. Um, and also Dan Harari. Uh, he's an entertainment industry publicist, um, has his own uh, unique interest also in the UFO subject. He's not just coming into this blind. Now, how did those two get together? Are, are those two, is it fair to say, just going off the website and the deadline article, the main players within this? I understand the hierarchy looking at it. You've got those two right. then the board. Is that right? So they, those two have joined together to, to make it. So basically, Dan is actually Steve's publicist, uh, but not publicist, let's make Steve famous, publicist meaning that when anything happens in Congress, uh, Dan is responsible for getting that message out straight away. So anything that Stephen learns, Dan tries to get out as quickly as as he can. But, you know, I've been hanging out with some of the members um, uh, recently like we were filming a show with Steve and so I got to meet um Sean Jabonski who was behind Project Blue Book and some other people and and it's just it's just so cool because we're all believers you know most of us have our experiences we're so passionate about telling these stories and about sharing these truths and these disclosures with the world um but it's just about I guess just doing it better you know doing it right and doing it better. Historically, UFO documentaries, for the most part, have been made by indie filmmakers, so people that just have this burning desire to tell a story and they get $10,000 together and some iPhones and they go out and create um, a, a documentary. Content's good, but the production value is really poor. And so I guess what we're trying to do is mainstream these stories and these messages and this content, you know? And as the opportunity there for folks to uh, pull resources together potentially you've got a lot of filmmakers you've got researchers you've got documentary makers and thinking you could get together and obviously work together maybe increase that budget increase the reach is that right right so we we actually have a um a inaugural board meeting tomorrow and i'm so excited because richard dolan's going to be there and nick pope's going to be there haven't met either of them freaking dying to meet both of them, interview them, work with them, blah, 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 blah. So it's really cool for, for me and for other people in the group to get to meet our peers and, and uh, like, on the same level and be able to say, hey, what are you working on? Let's let's collaborate. I also find in Hollywood um, when you're working on a project solo, it's good, but if you can find someone else and you can collaborate because you both bring skills and knowledge to the table, then that project just, you know, uh, explodes. So, yeah, I'm really psyched about it. <laughs> so how do you see that working? So in the UFO community, I don't have to tell you, Serena, people can be devices, divisive. You mentioned yeah. Dr. Stephen Greer. He has Ooh. his fans. He has his haters and detractors. And he has folks in the middle. Um, you mentioned Richard Dolan, mm -hmm. Nick Pope, all the same in any number of UFO personalities. There, there is no one I don't think is universally loved or hated. Yeah. It's There's always something there. How is that mix of personalities and opinions going to work, do you think, in this sort of setting? Because you seem to have very different ends of the UFO spectrum involved. So far, I mean, there's been a lot of, like, uh, respect in the group and mutual adoration and, and things like that. I think that it's, it's healthy to have two people with opposing opinions come together because no nobody's ever 100% right right um so sometimes you know if you can come together in the spirit of like get, getting to the truth um then then sometimes you can really help to forward like the our understanding of what's going on out there there in this world i mean i've met richard dolan on the phone we've spent some time together nicest man in the entire world but we clashed on a couple of of things 
you know. Like my personal opinion about extraterrestrials is that they're not that interested in becoming best friends with humanity. Um, they want to come here and they want to um, be be part of our life and involve us in this galactic community that we live in, that we're currently have been expelled from. Um, but I don't think that they really want to become our best friends and hold hands with us and hang out here and integrate with us on Earth. Richard does, you know. He really believes that. He thinks they have a really strong interest in helping us and, and what have you. So, you know, it, it's just, it just, I think it makes for interesting conversation. And honestly, until these beings land here and have face-to-face communication with us, it's all speculation. Uh, and you mentioned Danny Sheehan has involvement. I don't think there's a UFO group on the planet that Danny's not a part of right now. Obviously, Danny is uniquely positioned that he's got that legal expertise. Is that something he's providing to the group as well? Uh, look, he is. Well, I think what Danny brings to the table more so is um, because he's a member of a lot of these groups, he brings a lot of like experience about what works and what doesn't work. So he really is actually helping with that formation and helping to make sure that this group, you know, has value in society. Um, yes, he's almost like a mentor, I think, to to Dan and to to Stephen. He's such a good guy. Have you met him? Uh, do you know what? I've not had Danny Sheehan on the podcast. I was on a different podcast uh, as part of a roundtable where Danny was on. Um, he's one of those names that still escapes me so far. Not managed well, to get that elusive. Exposure alliance. I'm sure they'll be able to arrange it for you. <laughs> if only I knew someone is part of it. Oh, hi, Serena. Yeah, so uh, I'll discuss that after. Yeah, um, and there's a whole load of names though as part of this. You mentioned Richard Dolan, Tracy Garbutt there, obviously Nick Pope, George Nuri from Coast to Coast, yeah. a- actor Thomas Jane uh, from The Expanse uh, and Deep yeah. Blue Sea. It, it's really quite a quite a range of names already. I wonder under the supporting members tab on the website. You mentioned it launches officially tomorrow uh, with its mm. inaugural board meeting. That's tomorrow is the 2nd of November as yeah. we discuss this. Um, supporting members has it coming soon. Is there anything you can share on yes. potential supporting members? Yes, it's super exciting. So, you know, like um, what we didn't want to do was make this an elitist group of the Hollywood bigwigs that get together and discuss important things. You know, we didn't want, we didn't want that. We're all really down-to-earth, easygoing characters. So what we're basically going to be doing is uh, recording a lot of these meetings that we have um, and every time we have collaborations with each other. So, for instance, if I meet Richard tomorrow and he agrees to do something with me, um, basically what we're going to be able to do is create um, different content to to be able to share with the supporters. It's not something that's going to be monetized. Like this is a non-for-profit organisation, so we're just here because we're just for the pure love of, of what we do. Um, and so, yeah, that's what will be available. So as soon as that's available for sign-up, I encourage everybody to get on board because you're talking about, you know, the biggest thought leaders in this world um, coming together and uh, I just think what's going to come out of this is going to be really cool, really magic. Important you mention it's a non-profit organisation. People are always sketchy of any new organisation that comes yeah. up, whether it's uh, something like this, which I think is relatively unique. We'll talk about something else uh, pretty soon. Um, you look at Merged Ryan Graves, uh, who has a technology company that he's working as part of. There's aerospace divisions coming out. There's a lot of different groups with various angles coming mm. at the UFO topic. So non-profit's one thing. There is a donation option, and just to address this, because people will straight away wonder, oh, yeah, but you're asking for donations. What would a donation, because people can't make it right now. When you go on there, it still says coming soon, pretty new group. What does a donation look like, and where does it go? 
So I don't know too much about that aspect of it. I can tell you, for one, I will not be making any money, <laughs> unfortunately, from this. No, um, I believe the donations are going to be so that they can expand their um, operations and just the, uh, the money will help to actually just fund the back end. So even now, like we've just started, we have something like 60 members or something like that, um, but we have to, we've hired a social media person. There's like a website manager, like uh, someone has to do PR, all, you know, all of those mm. sorts of things. So um, it will literally literally just be for the running of um there won't be wages given to anybody or it, that's not kind of what what's going on there but again like i have nothing to do with money so i don't really know <laughs> no no that's fair i think with anything like this there are people who are never going to be happy but a lot of folks understand there is an expense to running this like you say just mm. setting up a website there's a cost people to run it manage it all that stuff so um yeah, yeah very I mean, very, very fair people like you know like i'm not wanting to talk about um steve bassett's finances but i mean like you don't get paid to be the ufo lobbyist mm. you know you know what i mean um and these groups can, will will grow and get bigger like you know they, their vision is to have a million people as supporting members um so that steve and all of the people in the group can get their messages out as quickly as they can and you know that just ultimately will I guess cost money um administratively um and why and why should he have to pay for that you know I guess yeah. but again I don't know anything about those things so yeah no that's fair um I wonder when the group is up and running fully and we're looking at November 2nd being that inaugural yeah. launch day yeah. uh, people yeah. will be listening to this on November 2nd yeah. I wonder do you know what does a day look like what does a week look like in the short term and long term running of the group I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. The first phase, so Steve and Dan's first um, vision, I guess, mission is uh, networking, 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 networking. That's what they tell me all the time. Um, what they want to do is just really get all of us together in a room and get us poised and ready so that when disclosure does finally freaking happen, um, we're able to deliver those messages to the public as quickly and as truthfully as possible it's so cool um you know like when I, I only met Steve maybe six months ago we became instant besties I love this man so much um because he's out there fighting the good fight for all of us you know like we're sitting at home watching our UFO documentaries he's in congress standing there and yelling and screaming and demanding disclosure all the time you know this man has dedicated his whole life to doing that and so um Really, it's just going to be about making sure that when these this information drops, we're ready and we can get it out to people like you, Andy, you know? Like the first thing that I want to do when I find out that some form of disclosure has happened is to call you and everyone else and be like, dude, this just happened. Pass it on. Get it out there. Yeah. Now, let me get to, um, I had a few questions I was going to ask, but listeners worded them far better than I did. And uh, I think there's some really good stuff here to go through. So um, question from Peter. He asked, well, two questions. The first one is, does the HDA believe disclosure has been underway since Close Encounters or even before movies like that, but potentially in secret? Yes, there's definitely um, a, a thought process that 
There's a lot of people in Hollywood that have been given this information and this information has obviously rolled out into some of the movies that we've seen. Um, when you talk to people in the in our world, we believe that Close Encounters of the Third Kind is probably one of the more true true to what we believe is going to happen situation. Um, what we believe is that when disclosure happens that, you know, and there's all different ideas, but when disclosure happens, we believe it'll be to a small group of people, but a group of people that um, we all we all really trust. So we don't believe there's going to be lots of craft entering the sky like signs and having this mass huge disclosure. It's just going to be something small and intimate, but with people that they know are going to be able to articulate that message in a believable way. Yeah, interesting. We mentioned the the horror side of things earlier, didn't we? The big sci-fi blockbusters, but yeah. Close Encounters and ET, both Spielberg vehicles, uh, Spielberg right. vehicles, were much more loving, nice. There was uh, a kind of a message. That... Close Encounters is scary as shit. Like that movie gave me <laughs> nightmares, like my whole childhood, you know. But yeah, you're right. It, it was still positive. You know? Yeah, it was it was a nice message at the end of it. Nothing was blown up. No one got attacked, and there was no big, you know, massive uh, special effects I mean, that kind there, of there side of a, things. There was an abduction, but it seemed to be voluntary. Uh, <laughs> you know, stuff happened. But yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't it wasn't horrendous. Like the humanity didn't end. Yeah. And I was going to say spoiler alert, but it's a fifty-year-old movie, so I think we're past that. That now, um, Peter's right. second question. Though, I've become friends with Paul Heinick, so Paul Heinick mm. is the son of um, J. Allen Heinick, who was in that movie and things like that. And you know, like it's, it, this sort of this stuff is real. You know, this stuff is is happening. Like the like what I love about the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is half of the people are like scientists. You know, they're like highly intelligent people that earn big bucks in their normal respective careers and they're putting their their um, reputations on the line to, like, push this narrative forward. So, I mean, there's just so much happening. Was was there anyone who you wanted or the group wanted to be part of it who either declined for, for whatever reason that you could mention? No. So far, everyone that we have asked has come on board. I don't know. Do you know who Caroline Corey is? Yep. She made Tear in the Sky Among Us and stuff like that. She's my friend. And I was around her house having coffee the other night and I told her about it. She, she hadn't heard about it. I'm like, you know, you should join. When she heard about what it was, she was like, oh, my God, finally. And that seems to just – she signed up straight away. That seems to be like – how it's all going, you know, like like we've been waiting for this opportunity to have a community and to be able to be together and do this. Um, follow-up question from Peter. He asks, the film Argo, which is based on a true story, um, mm. highlights the relationship between Hollywood, the media and government and especially three-letter agencies. How will the HDA be assured that disclosure is of the truth rather than a CIA disinformation, for example? That is a... Really good question. You know, we talk about it all the time. I, I believe the only way that we can keep our government accountable is by keeping our government accountable. You know, people need to rise up and they need to be rallying for this in a similar way that they rally for other causes. You know, like why haven't we had a million people in the street with placards demanding disclosure? You know, again, people like to sit at home and, and complain about the fact that it's not happening, but, you know, do something. You know, we need to do something. We need to demand truth not on our computers 
Okay, so uh, next question. So into a listener question from Joey. Joey asks, and you touched on this, I think, a little bit early, so earlier, Serena. How will you balance fictional embellishments alongside factual storylines to make sure you don't muddy the waters? So I suppose I was asking you about those kind of big budget movies that bring in the mainstream audience, bring in the bring in the dollars to make in a factual story that keeps an audience interested. It's a really, really hard hard question and you know there's always going to be movies that are painting people I mean the extraterrestrials in a negative light I guess that all we can do is try and drown out that content with more content that is more positive like I said still drama filled but not with the end game being that humanity has been destroyed by ETs um, Joey also asks, and I think this is a really good question, uh, the mission of Hollywood Disclosure Alliance appears to be similar to what Tom DeLong's To The Stars Media had been doing uh, from 2014. In which ways do you think the objectives might align and how do you think the HDA's vision and execution will differ? I think that they will definitely align. I think they're just coming at things from from two different angles and they're also, like with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, with you kind of touched on it before, you know, there's lots of different personalities and different thought processes. I think that with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, most of us are pretty aligned in how we feel and in our messaging, you know, like like-minded people tend to flock together. So I would say that there'll probably be, you know, like a difference in like our ethos about what we believe is happening. But I think ultimately we all have the same goal and that is pushing for disclosure and preparing everybody for when they finally come. Um, question from Mr. Calhoun. He asks, how can Hollywood contribute to the public debate on potentially controversial and sombering aspects of the phenomenon and the history of UAP research, such as uh, the Paul Benowitz story or interaction between humans and non-human intelligence going back to prehistoric times? So maybe aspects of it that are not potentially in the public uh, arena right now, so to speak. So what 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 do you want to know about that? Like, what are you asking? So, how can Hollywood maybe touch on the more awkward aspects of this phenomenon, uh, uh, the more somber uh, aspects of the phenomenon? What if well, our our history potentially isn't what we thought it was, and that's a big thing for the public? That's a paradigm shifting, you know, moment there. Yeah, I mean, like you know, at the moment, I'm producing a whole heap of TV shows about um, abductees and and like really delving into that world. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Whitley Strieber before. Yes, He's the yep. man that Communion was made about. Have you met him? He's been on the podcast. Yeah, he's the best. I love him like so much. Um, but anyway, so I spent like three, four hours with him, and we went through his whole story. And when I interview people, I like to go really deep really, really deep, like what did these extraterrestrials look like? What did they smell like? What did, was the texture of their skin like? Like I want to know, you know, like I was right there. And it was interesting talking to Whitley because the way he described his abduction was rape. Yep. You know, he really believes that he was raped and um, and he describes it in great detail and the pain that he felt and how long it took for that to go through. And, you know, I think that like what we need to do is we need to be very honest as storytellers. There is a lot of good, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncomfortable stuff as well. Whitley would not change his life experience if he had the opportunity. I asked him and he said that he ultimately is glad for everything that happened. Obviously not the anal probing moment. Mm. But 
um, everything that came bef- uh, came after it. Um, you know, and it's about being real and de- deconstructing this alien agenda. Um, after talking to many, many abductees, whilst they've had these traumatic experiences, they they tend to recover from them because they realise that they weren't being raped for sexual gratification. They weren't being raped by some evil, malicious, serial killer type character that wanted to hurt or harm them. They were guinea pigs, you know. Uh, Samples were required by this extraterrestrial race for some reason. We hope to benefit them and us. Um, They were taken by force sometimes, which isn't okay. Um, but I think that a lot of these abductees look at the entire agenda and then they're kind of okay with it. Like for me, um, obviously I don't want someone to pin me down and extract my DNA. It sounds painful and terrifying, right? But then if ultimately I realised that they had done that so that they could save a million extraterrestrial children on another planet, um, I'd be good with it. You get what I mean? So, um, you know, like in our quest for truth, it's just going to be really important that we don't go into these interviews with these people with an agenda. We're just going in there to figure out what the hell happened and why. Um, If you have someone that is against aliens and thinks they're all here to kill us, then when Whitley Strieber tells you his story, you're going to paint it in a terrible light. But if you're somebody that, you know, believes that they're here to save us, then you're going to paint that picture in a positive light, you know, I just call on all interviewers and filmmakers to to just seek truth and try and keep their opinions out of it. Because the answer might be a little bit of everything, to be honest. There might be an, an aspect of whatever this phenomenon is or these beings may be that do want harm in the human race. Some might be indifferent, and if, if harm is right. caused, so be it. Others, like you say, might have our best interests at heart and... That's like you mentioned earlier, no one knows. We could all be wrong. Every one of us right now could be wrong, but we can't all be right. One thing I've I've been learning, you know, and like, again, I'm someone that was always into extraterrestrials, watched every single movie, read all the books, all that sort of stuff. But until I actually got into it, into it and met all these people and did my all interviews and things, you know, like you start to realise that there's thousands of different extraterrestrial races, thousands. And just like the thousands of different cultures that we have on our planet, some humans are great, some humans are average, some humans are neutral, some humans, excuse my language, are fucking assholes, you know. And I would say that in the galactic community, it's probably the same, you know. We've been very fortunate so far in uh, up until 2023. We haven't been exterminated yet. Um, so it appears as though the ones that are visiting us are, are benevolent, are friendly, because um, as you know, if they wanted to kill us, they could. You know, COVID came from a bat allegedly and that fucked us up. So, I mean, imagine what they could do, right? Um, we don't know. So it's a, it's a tricky one. But I think for the most part um, it's a positive experience. And, and it's funny, that's where I struggle with what a lot of Dr. Stephen Greer says. I know you mentioned little mentoring, but he he can lean far too much to one narrative for me. For someone in the positions oh, he he's been in, he, he, he goes with the friendly stuff far too far too easily and he can be very dismissive of other opinions. Um, I notice he's, he's not he's part of this group, obviously. Like no, he's not part of this group. Um, he's very, he's very much like that. Like, like one thing I respect about him is the fact that it's like this is my story and I'm sticking to it. You know, 
Um, and like I said, I've spent time with him. I've interviewed him. I, I've got his his story out, and it's incredible. And I guess because he's had this amazing experience, he was he was taken on board a craft. He met these friendly extraterrestrials. They developed a language together. Now he's able to teach millions of people around the world to communicate with with them. Amazing. But I don't think he's met all of them. No. <laughs> you know. So uh, I don't think any of us can, like I said, it's like generalizing what humans are like because, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of nasty humans out there, but I'm a nice person. I wouldn't hurt a fly, you know. So if someone was to say that all humans are bastards and evil and murderous, well, that ain't true. Yeah, 100%. No, that's that's right. Um, that was the last listener question. Just to finish up, Serena, because you've been really good with your time and this has all been very last minute for you. Um, the documentary of yours you mentioned that's just been released on Amazon is yeah. We Are Not Alone. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that and if they rent it or buy it, what they can expect? Yes. So I believe that we're not alone. But I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to go and speak to the um, – the most keyed in, clued in people in the UFO world and learn about why they think that we're not alone and also to learn about who are these beings that are visiting us? Where do they come from? What do they want for humanity? And should we be afraid? And so I talked to so many different people that are experiences, Dr. Stephen Greer, obviously, um, but then Andrea Perron, who is famous for being the person that the movie The Conjuring was made about, um, uh, Jacques Vallée, who... who is very involved in the Trinity project, which was um, uh, surrounding the sightings when the atomic bomb was dropped. Mm -hmm. Paula Harris, all people like that. And it's so interesting because when I interview them, I don't ask them the normal stuff. I'm like, tell me about the beings that you saw with your own eyes. What did they say to you? How did you feel? What impact did that have on you? Explain. Because what I want for my viewers is I want them to like really be able to visualize what these beings are, like where they come from, what they are, what they want, um, instead of just thinking, oh, yeah, it's a grey, big eyes, short abduction. No, like let's listen to these sto- these stories from these incredible people. And, and, and also like with Paula Harris as an example, she was an investigative journalist, top of her career, making so much money, um, so successful, winning awards, and then she has an experience and now her entire life is devoted toward extraterrestrial stuff. So, you know, like I think it's important for us to understand that all these experts have a why. Something happened to them to make them do this. And that's what the movie's about. Well, I would thank you very much for your time, Serena. You've been wonderful. The Hollywood Disclosure yeah. Alliance is very much in its infancy. It launches yes. on the 2nd of November. As we record this, it's the 1st of November. And the website is hollywooddisclosurealliance.org. The link to that and the deadline article that announced this yesterday is all available in the podcast description as well. So, Serena, once again, thank you to you, Stephen, Dan, for putting you forward to do this as well. And best of luck with the venture too. Look forward to seeing what it brings. Thank you, Andy, and make sure you join. (laughs) Do my best. I'll have a look. Thank you, Serena. Take care. That is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show out on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, just 
just search That UFO Podcast Premium. YouTube, you can sign up and be a member, or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening, folks. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fox.